Amen, amen. Y'all give it up for James leading us this morning in worship. James Hemstead, and uh, great, great privilege to be able to hear worship like that and encourage our hearts. Well, have you got a Bible? Say yes. Psalm 119. If you're a guest of ours, you chose a great day to show up today. This is only the second message in a series entitled Hashtag Never Empty. Now, if you don't understand hashtags, it's out there in the Twitter world, and we've got a lot of our Concordians who are involved in that, and they had a great time this past week. I did, I know, reading so many tweets that were going out, and instructions to get involved in that are actually in your listening guide if you would like to do that in the days ahead. But let me just read a few of these tweets to you. Randy Williams uh, tweeted out his favorite verse, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Uh, Carla Stout, she tweeted out, help me to know your ways this week, O Lord. Ryan London tweeted out, let's hide God's word in our hearts this morning. Hope everyone is blessed today. And then Megan Dixon, she tweeted out, working on my way towards being a scripture hoarder. Hashtag never empty. And then Janice Moody, who's uh, plays in our band up here, she tweeted out, excited for our new message series at Concord Baptist Church in Claremont, Georgia, Psalm 119. I have to tell you, we were on the ship last week, and so whenever we did get internet access, I had a great opportunity to read so many other tweets that were out there and so encouraged to see many people in the Word of God. Uh, let me ask you if you uh, agree with this statement, and uh, you just say amen if you agree with it, all right? Uh, God's Word is never empty. Amen on that? God's Word's never empty. My task over the next several weeks really is to encourage every single individual in our fellowship to increase their devotion to the Word of God. Now, you may be here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet. I'm still going to challenge you to spend time in God's Word. God reveals Himself through His Word, and I'm trusting the Lord will speak to your heart and draw you to himself as you study the scripture. You may be here and you are a follower of Christ, but you just not had a consistent devotion to the Lord and his word. So I'm challenging you over the next several weeks to really increase your devotion, to begin spending time with God on a daily basis. And then you may be an avid follower of Christ who is spending time in God's word every single day. So my challenge to you is that you would increase your devotion over the next several weeks and allow God's Word to richly dwell within you. That is actually a, a biblical mandate of the New Testament, that we would allow the Word of Christ to richly dwell in our hearts. It gives the imagery of our heart being a home, and that God's Word ought to find its place there. God's Word should feel ho at home inside of our hearts. So really, that's the challenge. And as we gather together today in Psalm 119, we want to ask the major question, what good will come of me devoting myself to the Word. What's going to happen? How can God's Word really help me? So with that in mind, let's read those words of the psalmist together, beginning in Psalm 119, verse 25. If you'll stand with me out of God's Word this morning, notice what the Bible says. Verse 25, my soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your Word. I have told of my ways, and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, so I will meditate on your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. I've chosen the faithful way. I've placed your ordinances before me. I cling to your testimonies. O oh Lord, do not put me to shame. I shall run the way of your commandments for you will enlarge my heart. Teach me, O oh Lord, the way of your statutes and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all of my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. 
Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Turn away my reproach which I dread, for your ordinances are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. May your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So I will have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. And do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for your ordinances. I will continue to keep your law forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty. I will seek your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Let's bow together. Father, uh, we pray now that you would take the word of God and place it directly into our hearts. And Father, we pray that the truth of scripture, like seed, is planted into the soil of our hearts and it would produce fruit, fruit that would remain, fruit that would give evidence of you. God, I thank you for how you have worked in our last two services. We're trusting that you will work in this one as well, drawing people to yourself, challenging us to increase our intake of your divine word. Thank you for the opportunity to study it together this morning. That's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. So you can be seated. So if we're going to increase our devotion to God's word, what good will come of it? Three realities that I want to lift from these three sections of the scripture this morning, hopefully to place into your heart. So here goes the very first statement I want to give you. When I am down, his word picks me up. When I am down, God's word picks me up. As we read through Psalm 119, we discover that the psalmist faces great bouts of discouragement in his life. One thing that I love about my Bible is that when I read the life story of many individuals, I'm not only reading about the high points of their life, but I'm also reading about the low points of their life. There's great transparency in the authors of the scripture. And for that, I'm grateful. And the psalmist is no different. In fact, in Psalm chapter uh, 119, verse 25, notice what he begins with. He says, my soul cleaves to the dust. Now, this is the image of a man who's been brought low by life circumstances. He is absolutely exhausted. Verse 28, he goes forward and says, my soul weeps because of grief. Now, this is descriptive of someone who is overwhelmed with sorrow and with sadness. And the word for weep is also translated, check this out, sleepless nights. The idea is that what has struck the life of the psalmist has caused him great emotional exhaustion, and yet he is unable to sleep at night. I would gather that many of us have experienced that kind of discouragement in our life before. When we would agree with the psalmist that our soul cleaves to the dust, that our soul weeps with grief. And even though we are mentally exhausted over the circumstances of life, there are times when we lay our heads down at night on the pillow and we still cannot get any sleep. You know, discouragement hits every single one of us. In fact, discouragement is a guest who shows up in our lives without ever making a reservation. And not only that, discouragement can show up at some of the most awkward times in our life. In fact, as I was studying, I just wrote down a few areas in which discouragement may creep in to your life. First, I've noted discouragement can creep in after a huge success in ministry. It happened with Elijah. He was the great prophet of the Old Testament who displayed an unbelievable boldness. He single-handedly took on 450 prophets of the false god named Baal. He challenged them to a duel that was unforgettable. He was like, you build an altar, 
and you call on your God Baal to send fire down, and then I'll build an altar and do the exact same thing, but we'll one-up it. We're going to soak the altar, and then I'll call on God to send fire down. Whichever one answers with fire, let us worship that God. So the 450 prophets went after it all day long, the Bible says. They cried out to Baal, screaming and asking him to send fire down. Uh, Baal was not answering, and so they began to cut themselves as a form of sacrifice, calling out upon their God Baal to send fire down. Only one problem with that particular prayer to Baal, uh, Baal does not exist, which is a massive problem. Elijah, however, stood in front of 450 of these prophets. After they had shouted all day long, he poked a little fun at them and said, maybe your God is on vacation. Uh, he even said, maybe perhaps your God is in the bathroom. It's in the Bible, y'all all right with that? And so after he ragged them for just a little while, he basically stood before them and immediately began to pray and said, God, send fire down. And as soon as he prayed that, the Bible teaches us that fire fell from heaven and it consumed the altar and even licked up all of the dust that was around the altar. Great ministry success. There is only one true God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. He called out to God and God did indeed answer. After, after this often, awful, uh, or shall I say awesome uh, success in his life, an awful discouragement came upon him. In fact, the Bible teaches us that he began running away from a single woman named Jezebel. He had just faced 450 prophets, but now he had heard Jezebel wanted him dead, so he took off running in terror. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings 19, 3 through 4, listen to this, he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba. Which, by the way, if you got a woman chasing you, y'all going to run, aren't you? Can I get a witness on that? 450 prophets of Baal, whatever. Here comes that crazy lady. <laughs> that wasn't in 1 Kings. This is a third service. I get a little tired and start saying random stuff. God bless all of you for being here. He was afraid. He ran. He left his servant there in Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And then he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. See, discouragement came upon him right after a huge success in ministry. And I can't tell you how many times I've experienced this kind of discouragement as well. But Elijah came to a, such a point of discouragement that he cried out for God to take his life. He just wanted to die. You know, I've heard recently a testimony of a person who was spending time in the word of the Lord. And he says the more that he spends time reading his scriptures and seeking to apply them, the more attacked he feels. He was speaking about becoming discouraged. Look, discouragement is always standing at the door waiting to burst in after any spiritual victory in your life. So discouragement creeps in when we experience victory. But we also know discouragement can creep in when we are tired. That is, you're just running with life. You're busy, busy, busy. You don't stop. You run and run until you're completely wiped out. And then discouragement crawls up on you like an unwanted cold. And discouragement can also creep in when there's a loss in your life. Uh, this can be a loss of a loved one through death. This can also be the loss of a loved one through poor decision making. Discouragement shows up when a person loses a job. A person can't find a job. They are discouraged. See, discouragement can come in many ways at many different times. But the bottom line is that it leaves us feeling just like the psalmist described. My soul cleaves to the dust. My soul weeps because of grief. 
But right in the center of this great discouragement, the psalmist teaches us that when we are down, God's word will pick us up. Look at verse 25. He says, my soul cleaves to the dust. Now check this out. Revive me according to your word. Now I love that term, revive me. It means to bring back to life. The psalmist is basically saying, Lord, my soul is cleaving to the dust and I feel like a dead man. I need you by your word to cause me to get back up on my feet again. So he's calling out to the one source that gives life, and it's the word of God. And then verse 28, he says, my soul weeps because of grief. Now check this out. Strengthen me according to your word. Now the word for strengthen speaks of causing something to arise and to push up that which is falling. You know, I think about uh, when I was studying this, flying a kite. We've done this several times with our children, but there are times when the kite will just nosedive and go straight to the ground. And then there is no wind. The kite is laying there lifeless. And so what we're longing for in that moment is for a wind to breeze through and pick that kite back up and lift it into the air again. It's the same imagery here. The psalmist is cleaving to the dust. The psalmist is overwhelmed with grief. He is face down on the mat like a dead man. And here he is praying that God's word would blow new life into him and cause him to be raised up once again. Now, the psalmist, when he was down, went to the word of God so that he could be brought back up. Look at verse 26. He says, teach me your statutes. Verse 27, make me understand the ways of your precepts. Verse 29, remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. Listen, just as a physical body cannot be strengthened without food, so the spiritual body cannot be strengthened apart from the word of God. Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So whenever the psalmist was greatly discouraged, he turned to the word of God and he prayed for God to speak to him clearly. And then listen to him in verse 30. He says, I've chosen the faithful way. I've placed your ordinances before me. And then check this out. I cling to your testimonies. Now listen closely. The same Hebrew word for cling is also used in this verse to speak of cleaving. So the imagery here is that the discouraged psalmist who was cleaving to the dust in verse 25 is now cleaving to the word of God in verse 30. In verse 32, the Bible says, I shall run the way of your commandments. This is a phenomenal concept as well. The psalmist who was clinging to the dust, who was laying face down on the ground, is now stand, standing up to his feet, and he is running after the commandments of the Lord God. Intake of God's word. Notice what happens when we take in the word in verse 32. He says, for you will enlarge my heart. Now think about that for a moment. Whenever you are taking the scripture into your life and you are applying what God is teaching you, the Bible promises that God will actually enlarge your heart. He'll cause your inner being to widen and your passion to grow and your passion for God will grow. Your love for others will grow as well. God wants to enlarge all of our hearts. When I read this text of scripture, I can't help but think about the Grinch that stole Christmas. Y'all remember that green man? And as he looked down on that particular Whoville town, he was listening to them sing, even though they didn't receive those gifts that morning. And as you watch the television screen, his heart began to grow. Don't y'all remember this? Don't leave me by myself up here, all right? And his heart grew and grew and grew, and then it just blew up. And that's the picture. When you study God's word, God causes your heart to expand and to grow, and you love God more, and you love others more. Listen, whenever you are down, 
God's word will pick you up. Now, uh, God is sovereign over all things. Can I get a witness over that? Uh, he's in control of all things. I'm absolutely confident the sovereign God has you here at church this morning at Concord on purpose. Uh, some of you have come to church this morning and you would concur with the psalmist. You're like, my soul cleaves to the dust. I feel like a dead man. I feel like a dead woman. Well, listen, here's the word of the Lord. God wants to speak a fresh word to you to cause you to come alive. You can be encouraged as you get into the word of God. And as you get into the word of God, that face that was down flat before the mat will actually be raised up before Almighty God and you'll be standing. And before you know it, you will fall in such in love with God that you will run after his word. You so desire to get before God and the scripture. When I'm discouraged, and I have been many times, that's one the enemy throws at me quite often. I've got to pray that God will speak clearly to me. I also have to commit myself to his truth. And I have found, like the psalmist, when I am down, God's word picks me up. Let me give you a second statement. When I am sideways, God's word straightens me out. When I'm sideways, God's word straightens me out. I, I lift this particular phrase from verses 33 through 40. Notice, however, verse 37 with me. The Bible says, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Now that word vanity is an awesome word. It describes those things that are completely deceiving. They look like they're going to be filling, but in reality, they are not. We experienced this firsthand in our family not long ago uh, for Christmas. Apparently I had Christmas on the brain while I was working on this sermon. Y'all all right? But we received a gift, uh, my kids did I should say, called Pop the Pig. Have y'all ever seen this thing before? It's pretty interesting because they were running commercials on Pop the Pig on television and the kids even brought me in there. Daddy, daddy, come in here and look at this game. So I sat down and I watched the commercial and you take these little hamburgers and you feed this pig the hamburgers and then you press the top of his head and his belly grows to a point where ultimately it just blows up like this and pops out. Now, when we watched the commercial, that looked like the coolest game in the whole wide world. Are you listening? We watched that and watched them pop that pig, and those kids were sitting on the edge of their seat, biting their fingernails, who's going to pop it, who's going to pop it? And then when it blew up, it was like the whole screen blew up. And then we got this thing home. Look at this sorry game. <laughs> you know, we played this thing one time. Like, That's ridiculous. Put that thing up. <laughs> you can have this if you want it. Started thinking about Pop the Pig when I listened to the psalmist say, Turn me away from vanity, those things that are empty. Started thinking about the commercials that we often see. This occurs in our current life. The enemy sets up the commercials of pride, money, stuff, lust, and promises us laughter, promises us suspense, promises us pure joy, but in the end, it is empty. All of these kinds of pursuits cause us to be empty, they leave us sideways. And the psalmist is basically saying, turn my eyes away from all of these empty commercials of life and wake me up to your ways. This is, don't allow me to get sideways. May your words straighten me out. And the psalmist talks about how the Lord's going to keep him straight in verse 33. He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. I shall observe it to the end. 
He committed to obeying what the Lord taught him. And by the way, when we are obedient to God's word, God will reveal more of his word to us. Obedience uh, to what God has taught you will actually open your eyes to see greater truths. Verse 34, he says, give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all of my heart. Verse 35, make me walk in the path of your commandments. I delight in it. And the word delight is a word that speaks of finding complete satisfaction and pleasure in conducting one's life in accordance with the scripture. And then in verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. And that's the idea of God bending your heart toward his word. It keeps us from getting sideways and pursuing that which is vain and that which is empty. Now for some of us who are present this morning, we've gotten sideways in life. Perhaps you've bought into the empty promises of this world system. You're trying to find satisfaction in popularity and notoriety. I want to be known. Perhaps you're trying to find satisfaction in the pursuit of money or the accumulation of stuff. I want more. Or you're trying to find satisfaction in perverted lust. And so you're seeking someone else. We should be like the psalmist, asking the Lord to turn our eyes away from that which is empty and satisfy the hunger of our souls with the word of the living Lord. Listen, you will not find satisfaction in what the world has to offer. God says, I have a complete five-course meal provided for you in the word. Get in it, and it will satisfy that hunger that is in your soul. Verse 38, he says, establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. So the psalmist is literally saying, make your word stand up in front of me as that which causes a deep respect for you in my life. Now think about that. God, may your word stand up in front of me. So as God's word stands up in front of us, we humbly bow in surrender to what he's teaching. We have reverence for him. And then in verse 39, turn away my reproach, which I dread. And the same word for turn away my eyes found in verse 37 is the same word used here. The psalmist is praying that his eyes would be turned away from that which is of no value in life. And then in verse 39, he's praying that God would turn away his eyes from that which he disapproves of in the psalmist's life. Verse 40, he says, behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. And can I just say that this prayer is answered by God and his son Jesus Christ. God revives us through the righteousness of his son Jesus. That is, God causes you to come alive to him, not because of your righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus. The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So here's the bottom line of what I want us to grab from this portion of Psalm 119. If your life is sideways, God's word will straighten it out. Any question that you have about the meaning of life, the value of life, the purpose of life, you find solely in the word of the Lord. And apart from God's word, you are doomed to live a very dismal and empty life. But as you journey the path of scripture, seeking to obey the word of the Lord, you find that you are more satisfied than you have ever been before. So if you are sideways, living for what the world has to offer, allow the word of God to straighten you out, may his commandments stand up right in front of you, and you bow and surrender to what he's teaching. See, when I'm down, his word picks me up. When I'm sideways, his word straightens me out. Now, can I just say every once in a while I kind of get aggravated because someone will say, I just don't hear the Lord speak. The Lord's just not speaking to me. Uh, Yes, yes, he is. It's like there's a whole book for you. God wrote this for you, man. 
Don't walk around looking for God's word uh, on a bumper sticker, looking for God's word on some sign that you see in the road. God has a word for you fresh every single day. His mercies are new every morning. Get in God's word and allow him to encourage you with his presence. That's all we need. Scripture, when I'm sideways, he straightens me out. Let me give you the third statement. Y'all still with me say yes? I have to say, man, this has been one of the hottest days in here of the I preached. Are y'all listening? First service, I thought I was going to die. I lost 10 pounds. Second service, the air conditions did not work. I lost another 10 pounds. Right now, I feel like I'm just about to die. Are y'all listening? My soul cleaves to the dust. Can I get a witness? That was in the scripture. That was just brought that right back. Third statement, here we go. When I am scrutinized, his word gives me courage. When I am scrutinized, his word gives me courage. Whenever you begin to live out the word of God in your life, you are going to be placed under a microscope. People are going to watch you like a hawk. You remember that was true of Jesus Christ's life? As he was here on the earth walking, the Bible teaches us that religious elite, they placed him under a microscope. They were always looking for him to mess up. The political of his day also put him under a microscope looking for him to mess up. Now, if you're going to live for Jesus in the workplace, people are going to eyeball you. If you're going to live for Jesus in your family, people are going to eyeball you as well. And the psalmist was being scrutinized by others and undergoing great persecution. And so he prayed and asked the Lord to deliver him according to his word so that his critics would be silenced. Notice verse 41. He says, may your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So I will have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. Now the word reproaches gives the imagery of someone who is being made fun of, being uh, mocking you, jeering you, insulting you because of your stance for the Lord. So the psalmist is like, Lord, rescue me so that their mouths will be shut. And I love that emphatic statement. He says, for I trust in your word. Now, there have been times in my life when I've been scrutinized uh, for my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. There have been times in my life when I would say the exact same thing of the psalmist. I am trusting completely in the word of God. Uh, there have been times in my life, I, I think of one as I was studying this, when uh, a, a, something was started about me that was untrue. A, a rumor got out that was completely false. And man, I didn't know what to do. I began to think maybe I should argue for myself. Maybe I should uh, get out there and tell everybody that dude's a liar. But I got before God in his word. And God, by his grace, taught me to keep my mouth shut. And allow him to fight for me. And so I did. I remember even telling Kristen, my trust is in the Lord and his word. So I kept silent. Can I say, God rescued God brought about, the truth came to light, and I didn't even have to say anything. God has a unique way when you are walking with him of shutting the mouth, even of your critics. I think about Daniel in the Old Testament. The Bible teaches us that Daniel was thrown into a den full of something. What was that? I forgot what it was. Yeah, lions. Y'all remember that? So here he is going into a den of lions. They had thrown him in there so the lions would eat him alive. But as he goes into this den of lions, he goes in trusting in the word of God. And the Bible says that the lions' mouths were closed. So even those who are around you who are criticizing you, who are scrutinizing you, who are putting you down for your faith, know this, ultimately God will close their mouth. That's a promise as well in the book of Romans, that those who are unbelievers will one day stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And some of them will try to argue about their righteousness and try to talk to the Lord Jesus as if they have some sort of holiness that they can point to apart from him. But the Bible says that the law of God will shut their mouth. My trust must be in the Lord and his word. Verse 46, notice the courage and boldness of the psalmist. He says, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. Uh, he's so confident in the Lord that, and his word that even when he's standing before people of authority who do not follow the scripture, there's no fear. That was the case with the psalmist. He loved the word of God. He says, I'm going to keep your law continually forever and ever. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. I shall lift up my hands to your commandments. Now, I, that's an awesome picture. He says, I love your commandments. I will meditate on your statues. Now, think about that, all right? If a cop came up to you and said, uh, uh, put your hands up, right, you would throw them up quick, wouldn't you? But what are you doing whenever you're doing that? You're, you're saying, I surrender. I got nothing, man. Check me. The psalmist is saying, when I get before the commandments of the Lord, I throw my hands up in absolute surrender. Now, are y'all still with me? Say yes. Because I want you to see this picture, all right? Watch this. The psalmist began this morning in the dust. Face down, discouraged. But God's word revived him, caused him to stand up. And then as he stood up and began to run after the commandments of the Lord, the Bible teaches us that he began to be, revere the Lord, to honor the Lord, and his commandments stood up in front of him, and he began to bow down before the Lord. And now the scripture is saying that as he's bowing down before the Lord, throwing his hands up in surrender to God's word, that God gives him boldness to stand up and to speak truth even in the midst of those who persecute him. Y'all listening? It's like he starts here, he comes here, he goes back down here in humility. God brings him back up with great courage to stand another day. <laughs> it's amazing. When you spend time in God's word, God's word literally gives you courage to stand up for the truth of the gospel. I got a testimony about my sister this past week. Sister Candace, she lives in Cobb County. and uh, My mom was telling me the story yesterday as we... Came back home from our trip, and she said, let me tell you this, what happened with your sister. I said, all right, go ahead. She said she invited this lady in her neighborhood to go to church with her. They had a ladies' event or something of that nature. And so they went, and uh, my sister told my mom that as she was driving her to the church, that the Lord got all over her, she needed to share the gospel with her. So she began to open up her mouth, and this was the words that she told my mama. Right, Y'all listen, don't talk about my mama. She told my mama, she, she said, I've never spoke with such boldness before. <laughs> I mean, just flat out shared Jesus. Now, why is it that she has such boldness to share the gospel? Testimony? Because she's giving herself to devotion to the word. When you're devoted to God's word, you stand up with courage. When you stand up with courage, God will give you opportunities to speak on his behalf. But just know, when you're scrutinized, he gives you boldness like you've never known. Y'all all right? Yeah? I just had something come to my mind. Y'all want me to share it? God bless you. I only need three votes. <laughs> and I may have shared this before, but uh, there was a time when I was um, preaching over... Uh, in Ethiopia, and while I was uh, preaching there, it was a it was a um, open air kind of deal, right? Crusade set up, 
So I'm preaching, and while I'm preaching, a, uh, a Muslim man stands up and begins to scream at me. I love preaching in the U.S. so much better. Y'all with me on that? <laughs> so he's hollering at me, and I'm not real sure what he says. I know he's a Muslim because I've already been warned about him being there that particular day. And so um, he gets up and starts hollering. And then my translator, who was translating what I was preaching, began translating to me what he was saying. And it wasn't nice. You know, listen. And in that moment, again, I'm preaching God's word. I've been spending time with God in his word. Listen, God gave, uh, now all glory goes to the Lord on this. Y'all listening, yeah? But God gave boldness like I'd never had before in my life. Um, it was almost as if, and this, very, this may sound a little crazy, it was almost as if I kind of stepped outside of myself and watched myself talking to that Muslim dude. <laughs> Which was crazy. But, it, but it's, it's shocking how much courage the Lord gives. And it's all from his word. And the more scripture that I spoke, the more word that I recited, the stronger I felt, the more courage I received. And once it was said and done, I wish I could tell you the Muslim man like repented and got saved. That would have been awesome, right? He didn't. But once it was said and done, his mouth was slammed shut. He turned around and he left. I finished preaching the sermon. And then Muslim people started coming forward to get saved. <laughs> it's like, all I'm trying to say, y'all, because I know if you're not careful, you're going to be like, well, you're a preacher. No, I'm, I'm just like you. I just got a Bible, read it, spend time with the Word. I've got a different gift set. God's called me to do something different, perhaps, than you. But you've got the Bible, the same Holy Spirit residing in you resides in the New Testament saints here that we read about. And you read through Acts, all through Acts, what's the Bible say repeatedly over and over? And they had great boldness. God gave them courage. God gave them bold to speak the truth. You get it from here. Devote yourself to the Word. You'll be shocked what God does. Can I get a witness on that? Let's bow. Father, we do thank you for our time together this morning. Speak to hearts even now. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. You may be in here this morning. God brought you here. You've been discouraged. You just need to be picked up. Listen, um, God's word picks you up. Quit looking for all these other substitutes that the world continues to offer up, allow God's word to pick you up. You might be here today and you're sideways, you're living in sin. Listen, the Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word has a way to cut right down to the heart of the matter. And God may have exposed some emptiness in your life, a vain attempt to fill a hunger which only God in his word can actually fill. And God wants to straighten it out this morning in your life. 
maybe you're being scrutinized, ragged, jeered, mocked for your faith in Jesus, and you feel a little bit discouraged, listen, get in his word, boldness will come. Father, we do thank you for your word. There's no other book like the scripture. And God, we learn in the scripture that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's Jesus. Jesus came and lived the sinless life for all of us. Jesus came and died on the cross for all of us. Listen, you may be here this morning. I want you to know that God loves you and wants a relationship with you. But if you hang on to your sin in rebellion to God, then ultimately God's going to give you what you desire. An eternity separated from Him. And the Bible teaches that you'll spend eternity in hell. But God loves you. God doesn't desire that for you. God so loved you that He sent Jesus down the cross for you. Jesus died to pay for the penalty of your sin. You deserve death. I deserve death. Jesus died for us. He was buried and resurrected. Now the Bible says, turn from your sin and trust Jesus Christ alone for the salvation of your soul. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to God the Father but through me. Listen, there is no other way except through Jesus Christ to have your sin forgiven and you be given newness of life. So if you're searching for it somewhere else, you will not find it. You may as well be calling out to a false god named Baal. But this morning, you can call out to the God of heaven and he'll save you. The Bible says, whosoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if you need to give your heart to Jesus this morning, just pray something like this in your heart as I pray out loud. Just say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and that I need to be forgiven. So this morning I'm turning from my sin, placing my trust in you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me and get up from the grave. Now help me to live a life set aside for your name's sake. Help me to be bold about my decision this morning. Your head bowed, your eyes closed today. If that's the prayer of your heart, the first step of obedience is to be baptized. You saw that this morning. We don't baptize people because we're Baptists. We baptize people because that's what the Bible says to do. So if you need to be baptized, I'm going to invite you in a moment. We'll all stand to our feet and begin to sing. I'll be here in the front. Others will be here as well, some other pastors. You just leave the place where you've been seated. You come forward. We'll pray for you and set you up an opportunity to be baptized in the future. Or God may be calling you to join this church family. You know this is where the Lord wants you. You be obedient to his call. Or like the other two services, maybe you just need to come to the altar and ask God to revive you. Restore your soul. Father, it's a great privilege to be in your house, to know your word and to hear it. And God, I pray that you would work in our life now. Pray against the enemy who would love to snatch truth from us right now. And we give you the invitation. Pray that you'd work with it. Give those boldness who need to respond. We'll give you glory for it. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet while we sing this.